Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This podcast is brought to you by The Word magazine, media partner of Latitude Festival 2010. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. John, oh, yeah, you've got, you've you're got down the spray the sort of wee or something. Male <laughs> wee. territorial thing. It is, apparently so. You said it worked for him. If that, if that applied to humans, it would make going to Glastonbury very difficult, wouldn't it? I thought that was what happened at Glastonbury. <laughs> Maybe it was, because you just well, you no constantly think that 300,000 men have been somehow marking out their territory. There was this a man... particular nettle patch. There was a man pissing in, <laughs> in a cup... Uh, next to me, LCD sound system. Um, you can't so, uh, so that was his territory. He was probably like, yeah, this is my part of the crowd. He did What's then sprinkle it. What did he do with the cup? He then threw it at the member of the fans. He sprinkled it on the grass, and I was like, you know, he sprinkled it on the grass, and I was like, you might as well just pissed on the grass rather than pissing into a was cup. Was he at all embarrassed? Did he know that no. you noticed that he was being, yeah. or you pretend you didn't notice? I think he was quite proud. Was he using the cup as some kind of device to conceal what he shouldn't be seeing? So no, the weird thing is he's, probably, okay. he's <laughs> probably not the kind of person who does that kind of thing normally. He's probably actually gone back to work at a merchant bank. He probably he's not is, some yeah. kind of hedge monkey from being a no. built and who no. spends his life weeing in hedges. So I've been at festivals and wanted to go to the, to the wee, and a cup isn't big enough. <laughs> you, need, you need some kind of flag. size, quartz size. <laughs> yeah. Giant. If only you lived in America. Urine barrels. Is that thing raised at the Pint that thinks it's a quart. Oh yeah, <laughs> the piss that thinks it's a quart. We're there. <laughs> so, I didn't go to Glastonbury this year. We were just saying it's I had a, yeah. I had a I had a I had a year off. If you go for did they ask years, after you, Mark? You know, <laughs> that's very sweet. I was a little census taken. Jerry you know, said that a lot of people liked it. I was very touched. Where's Mark? Like where's yeah. Wally? Where's <laughs> Wally? <laughs> if you go contracted, if you go for nineteen years in a row, I first went to nineteen ninety one. You are allowed a year off if you want one, right? You're actually they can they say, listen, don't if you wanted to have a year out just to get your head together, a bit of R and R. 
then feel free. And I thought I would have, because it was just so fantastic last year. It yeah. was just, you were there, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, it was amazing, I mean, amazing. Just everything about it was absolutely and utterly perfect. And I thought, do you know, I'm going to have a year off, because at that time it was various groups I didn't particularly want to see. Not that the groups really matter. I just thought it was so good, it's only going to be disappointing. Yeah. So I didn't go. And then the weird thing was that if you don't go, and we were, and my wife and I went to St. Marlow, and it was lovely, wonderful weather, as it was in Glastonbury. And there are certain moments when you don't miss it. Mm. And you can imagine what they are. It's when you're uh, in a bed. Um, <laughs> it's when you're in a restaurant sitting down, <laughs> no, ordering an enormous asset to freedom there. Do you, do you lie in bed <laughs> allow, allow a smug smile to kind of suffuse you do. your feet? You can't help you it. lie there going, I'm not... A I, I, one, I had two baths in one day. I didn't really... Just, just so I could lie in a bath and groan with pleasure. That's bad, isn't yeah. it? Like? Yeah, yeah. And... Uh, but there are other moments when you really, really... It's very hard. And we were walking on the ramparts of San Marlo. I must have been about, I don't know, up as now. And a huge full moon is rising. Mm. And you know that the Pet Shop Boys have probably just come on stage. And, you you know, there's that feeling that the yeah. whole night uh, and all its adventures await, you know, the, the, the stone circle and the green colour. And it was warm. And it was warm. And, yeah, in fact, I don't want to hear any more, though. So, so, Laura, was it, was it too warm? Yeah. Laura Barton is our uh, Glastonbury correspondent for this year. It's the word podcast. Yes. Uh, we are recording. We are. Uh, high spots, Laura. Laura Marling, for me, right. at the park stage. She was amazing, amazing. She was playing just at the right time, about half nine when it was getting dark, and she was very special. But I was working too much. I missed so many things. What were you, were you writing that you were covering for The Guardian? Yes, yeah, yeah. So I was interviewing Dizzy Rascal. Well, I had to follow around Dizzy Rascal, Flaming Lips, Laura Marling... Uh, Shakira and uh, some random people from the Greenfields. I feel bad. Deep I haven't Box. read your report because I was away. It's, it's there online from forever. The, from the, from the, from the <laughs> yeah. Were you filing <laughs> yes. from the festival? Yes. Well, on a sort of you know, solar powered battery. Sort of. Exactly. I had someone pedalling beside me. <laughs> so, how did gorillas go down? Badly. I mean, I didn't see them because I was on. Badly. Well, people just felt that it was a bit cold. It was very... I think there are too many layers with gorillas rather than blur, which is heartstring stuff, you know? I think you're right, you know. I was listening to that new gorillas record and I kind of admire them and I think they're very clever and so forth. Mm. And I thought after a while, but I don't like this. That's it, There is something about this that just doesn't quite communicate. And I don't even feel it with blur very much, actually. And I wonder if Damon Albarn, for all his fantastic talent, is just a bit of a cold fish. Well, he's, in, he actually is a personality. Uh, in interviews, he comes across very, very cold indeed. Um, and in fact, as you know, he never appears on the cover of anything that isn't free. He'll only appear on the cover of G2 or T2 or, um, uh, you know, magazines that are given away with, mm-hmm. with, with things. But he will never appear on the, on the front of a, of a paying magazine because he doesn't radiate enough warmth. Which is unfortunate. I would say this is not his He's point. Not. <laughs> this is no. This is no, the sorry, editor's going decision. No. no, sorry. I'm sorry. I thought right. this was his decision. No, no, it's a decision made by us because he simply isn't commercial and he won't sell. But I absolutely adore gorillas with a burning passion. I, I saw really? it around us. But but I think festivals divide into one very simple argument, which is: does it work with a roof over its head, mm. or doesn't it? 
you know, and the gorillas is a very urban, contained experience. It's a, a spectacle, well, it's a spectacle. Right? yeah, exactly. Whereas I think a festival needs something that really hits you amidships. That kind of real, you need a song that's connected to you in your life at some point. Like Completely, that. and also you need to be able to react to it without necessarily being up the front to watch all of it. Gorillas is just a really technical show, isn't it? Stuff mm-hmm. being flown in into screens, and and it's the lineup, and it's a, it's a soap opera of ever changing kind of characters. Unless you can actually see those characters close up and be aware. What's going on? You kind of miss that. Whereas Blur is just that's the song I remember doing this too. You've got to in be able to sing along to things. Yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. it's audience participation, isn't it? That's what mm. it's about. It's not. It's not about musical performance. No, it's community singing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you Did you see the the, the secret gig? You said they were at the park. Did you see? No, the... I knew it was going on, but I unfortunately had to be with Dizzy Rascal at that moment. Actually, Dizzy Rascal was quite amazing. It was a. It was something akin to the Jay-Z thing. I was watching it from the same spot by the side of the stage and just seeing how huge the audience was. And it was so powerful. But I was gutted to miss Tommy York, yeah. You see, the, the phrase, unfortunately, I had to be with Dizzy Rock, <laughs> is one that it might play in this room, but I think it might be unpopular with a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> What's wrong with that? That would be absolutely... He's a bit of a giggle, isn't he? <laughs> he was quite surly when I spoke to him. Was he really? Yeah, he was in a bit of a mard. A bit of a mard. He got chocolate on his... has now turned itself into a noun, has He's gone from marding. Have you done that yourself? No, it's it's an it's an thing. It's an, uh, an inner mard. Which yeah. bit of the north are we talking about? Lancaster. But he got chocolate on his trousers. He got what? He got chocolate on his trousers, and um, he was that a bit. Would put you in a market, he had to meet Snoop Dogg with chocolate on his trousers. I think he was upset about. So what did he have? A blinding white trousers mm-hmm. with uh, kind of a dairy milk. Yeah. yeah well, it's bound Were you upset. there when, when these two great rap superpowers collided? I was not, no. And wouldn't no. you love to see that? The meeting between Snoop Dogg and Dizzy Rascal. One with a chocolate on his trousers. <laughs> one, with that, one in a mod. One who professionally has to be in a mod anyway. <laughs> yep. How much mardier can it get? So apart from reporting on Glastonbury, uh, one of the things that brings Laura here is she's got a book out, 21 Locks, which is a work of fiction. It is a work of fiction. (laughs) Your first. My first. And and tell us about it briefly. What's it about? It's about the Mardi North in Lancashire. (laughs) um, It's about... Which particular bit of the Mardi North do you come from? I come from Mardi Wigan. Oh, right. uh, Stuart McConey country. I know. I, I remember seeing Stuart McConey knocking about... In my youth, um, was you haven't got a Wigan accent when I'm drunk. Does they come out? Yeah, yeah. Right. I don't know, carry on. Anyway, Stuart McCurdy has made a, a, a quite a meal of very entertainingly actually out of his relationship with Wigan and, and, the, and, the, and the northern dance scene. I think we're contractually bound. I think the only person who hasn't is, is Kay Burley, but um, who hasn't made something about being from Wigan. Yeah, because you've got you, you can take the person out of Wigan Day, but you can't. Can you take okay. the Wigan? So give us further famous Wiganites. George Formby, was he from yeah. Wigan? I think he actually was, yeah. OK, yeah. anybody else? Uh, you, no. me, Kay, me, George Kay, Formby, Kay the, the No, um, is it Ian McMillan some, or someone like random? No, Ian McMillan Ian... from Barnsley. It was Barnsley. only here last week. Anyway, Ian somebody or other. Oh, another <laughs> Ian. Oh, another oh, Ian. Oh, it's right. spent, I Ian think, Brown. about a year in Wigan. We make a bit of that. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> if someone so passed through, it's, yeah. Oh, no, the... 
Tansads. There's a band called the Tansads. Oh. And the Verve. The Verve. Oh, of course. Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. Lest we forget. Oh, oh showbiz. The Wigan, the Wigan Hall of Fame is great. Oh, oh yeah, really, isn't it? I love the combination of the Verve and George Formby in the yes. oh. frame. Yeah. So, anyway, your book is mm. set in Wigan. Yes. In the present time. 1994. 1994. Randomly chosen that year. And uh, it's about a girl who's a perfume girl in a department store, and she is... Um, about to get married. Right, so it's about it's about the tension she feels mm. coming up to getting married. Mm-hmm. Now, I, was, I, was, I, I haven't read all of it. I read it's half fine. of it. No, they, uh, I haven't read all of it. <laughs> in its, in its finished. Um, I've only had a chance to read half of it. And I wanted to ask you about a question, that, a question that Mark and I were only debating in the office the other day, not in the context of your book, that we both decided we can never write a work of fiction. A, because we're too idle and, you know, don't have the application to do it, and B, because we probably haven't got the talent. But C, because we decided that a work of fiction you'd sort of have to show to your wife as you were doing it, and you were shaking your head. And therefore, there's something about a work of fiction that, you know, you're kind of opening yourself up. Has your husband read this book? Are you married? I'm married. married. Okay. Um, and he's I, not read it. Well, I banned him from reading it. And, oh, um, did he want to read oh, it? Come on, he's bound to have read it. Well, I went away um, to my cousin's wedding in Canada a few weeks ago, and when I came back and he confessed to me, he'd started reading my, my book. He hasn't finished he reading it. Did he stop publication? He probably did, actually, <laughs> behind my back. Um, but, uh, no... No, I didn't read it. I didn't want anyone to read it. In fact, I still don't want anyone to read it. I want them to buy it so that my publisher doesn't go bust, but I don't want them to read it. <laughs> Why don't you want them to read it? I don't know. It's just, um, it's very, it's a really weirdly personal, it's very different to publishing an article. Ah, right, so now we're getting to uh, the, the nub of this, which is when we're talking about fiction, mm. it isn't fiction. Well, it is fiction, it? but that's the thing. I know that it, because it's set in Wigan and it's... A female, and I actually did work as perfume girl for. I was going to say, did so you work in a cosmetics think... counter in Wigan? In did. Preston, actually, in Preston, in Preston Debenhams, Estee Lauder. I worked in Debenhams too. Did I you? Yeah, I was Father Christmas. But you That's were not much better than a perfume. <laughs> 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 not on the perfume counter. Giving you a spoiler. I was as you go, Pat. I started in soft furnishings and then toys, and I was promoted. I think it's promotion yeah. to Father Christmas. No, go, go back wow. to your. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Enough about If only I'd stuck around. Um, but it's not autobiographical. At all, but it's more about the people I know who didn't leave Wigan, if you see what I mean. So, um, but I mean, you say it's not autobiographical, and, mm. and you know, I've no reason to know whether it is or it isn't. But you know, if you're sitting down to write a work of fiction and this is your first time doing it, you must be just racking your brains thinking the stuff happened to me or happened to my friend that I could, yeah, I could reshape that into. I wanted, I did want to write about familiar things, and I think most people do, especially their first book. And I wanted to write about the North because I don't think, apart from Stuart McConey, many people do that in the in that way. And I wanted to write about it in this kind of loving way, you know. Um, what points did you want to make about the North? That it's a beautiful place, like, particularly my side of the Pennines. No one goes there. <laughs> oh, hang on. Particularly my side of the No one goes there, my side, to, to Wigan. I'm not sure why they would. Um, but uh, it's a really beautiful place. Well, not possibly not Wigan, but the, the countryside is, is gorgeous and, and yeah. I just cycled uh, across the Pennines. Did you? From Whitehaven to, um, to Newcastle on Tyne. That's a lovely... So I've been through all that countryside you're talking about. It's not it's quite near Wigan. Not is that the Trough of Boland? No. Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's the Lake District and the Peak District. Mm. It is just gorgeous. True. No one ever writes about that. They mm. write about bags of whelks, 
Um, <laughs> don't they? Black cats. End of the pig. This is where Mark Ellen's. I'm, I'm from yeah. Hershey's. So yeah. yeah. You'd never know that from my accent. The Lord soon lets him yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> he gets too far on the Piccadilly line, he gets a nose Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, the weddings. I'm fascinated yeah, by this because the so book. This is all about building up to a wedding mm-hmm. and her kind of anticipation of and dread of mm. the wedding. Yeah. And uh, you know, you, we, we, we were talking about you coming in on the podcast. We're, one of the things you were saying, you're fascinated by. The, the part the music plays in in weddings mm. nowadays because it, 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 it has it's grown massively hasn't it as a component of weddings over the last twenty years. Tell and us I think, about that. Uh, and you're you DJ at many DJ quite a lot of weddings. Yeah, um, I think I think increasingly getting a change in the music during the ceremony as well. I know during I went to a wedding the other weekend and um, and during the sign of the register they had the Velvet Underground. I'll be your mirror. <laughs> what? Yeah. So d- describe this wedding. Where, where does this take place? What kind of wedding? Uh, it was <laughs> no, uh, it was the online music editor of the Guardian. Um, <laughs> yeah, um, it was uh, just outside Manchester. Yeah, and was it, it was church a church wedding. Church or? wedding, quite a traditional wedding in that respect. It was lovely. Bride in white and kind of yeah, people in suits. Yeah, vicar. Yeah, a lot of the people in the congregation. Um, had worked the enemy and that kind of thing. So there was a, there was an air of there was a satirical. So was it a mixture there? of? Yeah. So you didn't have guide me over that great redeemer for those in peril on the deep, and then you suddenly get the the, uh, the uh, unmistakable tones of Nico, isn't it? Warbling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, is that how it worked? But it fitted really oddly. It, it was really nice. Well, it's a nice song. I mean, it's I, a I remember song. Um, going to a wedding years ago, and the, and the song that they played at the registrar was. Remember um, Peter Hook's band Monaco? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, the song was uh, What Do You Want From Me? And the chorus goes, What do you want from me? It's not how it used to be. You've taken my life away and ruined everything. And this is a <laughs> wedding. <laughs> it's a really strange choice. The, the groom told me later that they had to rush to the CD player before it went into Black Angel's Death Song. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. That yes. makes sense, yeah. Yes. yeah. Of course. All kinds of embarrassing but, things going to But I... I I've got a theory about... Well, I'm going to try this out on you, because I think you probably know the answer. I've got a theory about um, music at weddings. It's all, it all changed in 1994 uh, with the arrival of four weddings and a funeral. Yeah. Because that's not just um, the music that they play at the wedding. It's music they play throughout that points up the kind of emotional moments in it. If I remember rightly, it had Stand By Your Man, uh, Crocodile Rock, Walking Back to Happiness, I Think Can't Smile Without You, Good mm-hmm. God, was that in there? It was. It yeah. was yeah. I will survive. I mean, that was not obviously, that was obviously in the emotional arc of uh, the was actually in the um, Got to get along without you now and Chapel of Love. You know, and those and what was the and the wet 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 song which was never off the door. What was that? Was the oh, yeah. Love is all around. Love is all around. Now and and that it, it seemed to me to open the gates for people to, uh, to play all manner of stuff. That's when the whole. Every Breath You Take started getting played with a terrific irony, of course, because it's not a, a song about watching somebody adoringly. <laughs> no. But it could be less like that. But yeah. is that right? Do you think I that... I think so. And I think it's got even more... It was evolved into something darker now, in that it's become this thing where the first dance has to have a, a crazy dance routine as well. Yes, yes, well, yes. You've seen the YouTubes. Yeah. Oh, my God. So it's, well, not, it's not just even going down the aisle. It's not even something a bit unconventional. It's just got to go one... It's a show. Yeah, yeah, so exactly. So, Fraser, as I'm a student of the internet, yeah. you know, there's been this vast, great, you know, um, trend for extraordinary choreographed dance numbers at the reception 
and going into the church, all yes. the stuff yeah. that we've seen the walking on up YouTube. the aisle, which was then spoofed on the American version of the Office. Uh, the, yeah. Extraordinary stuff, and very often hip hop records, yeah. and it allows kind of uh, you know middle class white <laughs> weddings to sort of pretend they're very streets, exactly, doesn't it? Yeah. To sort of stand up the thing and cake and eat it, kind of thing. How many of those things are real, or how many of those things are internet spoofs? Because I look at those things, I think. These people are professional dancers to be able to do this this well. What do you think? I think most of them are so badly filmed, they must be real. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're going to do it properly, you'd film it properly, surely. Do you? Yeah. Do you, you so. think so? Yeah. Have you, have you seen those but people who do thriller? you're not going to have a three-camera shoot you, at Have you, you seen those no. people who do fully choreographed, all the whole wedding party do thriller? Have you seen that? Yeah. No, 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 it's no. mind-boggling. What, with all that, that is ghouls? If you I went mean, to see a professional performance, it wouldn't be any off. better than that. I would rather have that than a gift list, though, at a wedding. Would you? Yeah, I just about. Yeah. Well, as, 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 hey, like, their gift to you, is that they learn a... a yeah, rather, rather than, than towels and Debenhams. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> learn how That's to That's a good idea. But everybody's got, got that towel from Debenhams. Which you can watch. Yeah. Along with millions of others. Jeffrey trying to do some great That's quite good, isn't it? But I don't, I don't think the people idea. would be doing it if YouTube wasn't there. I mean, you, mm. you wouldn't do it unless you thought, oh, maybe 10 million people will watch this. Yeah. Yes, at least 10 million in, in the case of some of those things. I've, I, the, other, the other thing that struck me about, about music at weddings is not just the big set piece numbers. It's, it's the kind of background music at every stage of the proceedings now. That you know, you, you turn at the reception and there'll be a, a string quartet. Completely. You know, comprised, and all string players nowadays appear to be 25 year old female with very, very long blonde hair yes, and really well turned out. Yeah. You know, classical musicians never used to look like that 30 years ago. And there was just this massive change. And, and uh, I went to a wedding about 10 years ago now. Uh, at a hotel, you know, when you, you get married in, in a hotel or all sorts of places nowadays. And, uh, and the bride's mother was at one stage, before the ceremony, looking out anxiously towards the, the car park. And we <laughs> said, what, what are you waiting for? She said, I've ordered those panpipers for... <laughs> They're supposed to be here, and you know. So we were sitting there. Near the was ten minutes left. Ten minutes. I'll let you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let you know. And yeah, they're all looking, getting ready for the ceremony to begin because they've got the time slots. You know, because there's another wedding coming in afterwards and so forth. And uh, and after about ten minutes, I looked down the car. There's a screeching of brakes in the car park, and and this this thing just handbrake turned in the car park. Was just spilling out no, of seriously, the side. Seriously, what you were watching? What you were watching? Spilling out of a Fucking small car everywhere. A tiny yeah. car, honestly. Already seriously, there. seriously, were four Spanish waiters who'd been disgorged from this car. Furiously flinging yeah. on blankets, yeah. you know, together for the it, full kind of Indian look. One of them riding a llama, huge grey hat, scrambling towards the boot of the car, where they pull out their pad box and would hit it. You know, and I just saw this happen. And then, after a while, there was this serene noise from the, you know the peaks of the Andes was, yeah. was coming out. Condor the, up into the. Well, you know, they've obviously just done their bit there and then they were back in the bloody yeah. car and across Surrey to do it in the next Funeral somewhere. Yeah. Who would want pumpipes at their wedding, though? Well, these people did. Wandering through a town centre and they thought, that's the music. <laughs> well, it could wedding. be, you see, as I've said... As I've said on this podcast before, that they, it's been proved that, they, that there's very few sorts of music that don't get too loud. And one is harp music and the other one is properly panpipes. 
you can't play the panpipe beyond a certain volume. Whereas the danger of a rock band or anything like that is they're always just going to turn, turn it up to eleven. Turn old pan up, pipes all the way all up. Time. Yeah, yeah. So that's the music. But in... I mean, why does that? It's changed so much, isn't it? I mean, I got I got married in 1982, and I think we probably I, had. I was there. You were there. We probably I had there any all things film. bright and beautiful, followed by well, preceded by what would it be? Moonlight Sonata or Bourree? Right, but not the one, not the one, of course, on the uh, Jethro Tull's uh, legendary second album. But, you know, the, 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 but, and then I don't know, you had a couple of hymns, and you, you got married. When did you get married? Because what music did you Six have? Six years ago, uh, we had Jerusalem. Good, that's Obviously, good, good a lot of people have Jerusalem. Tune. Good tune. Yeah, it's a massive tune. Yeah, floor filler. And, um, <laughs> but we did leave the, uh, the church to um, say a little prayer played on the organ. Nice. So little because I'm not religious, and I wanted a little bit of secular blah in there. But um, so you I'm picked sure. a secular song about a prayer, about a prayer, <laughs> but a kind of <laughs> a jokey kind of. Thing. <laughs> it was, yeah, yeah. Did you do a dance routine? No. Did you sing? I mean, did you just do a no. scat vocal at you know, the <laughs> right. wedding reception? No, no. So you don't think, in the light of the, the you know the the YouTube phenomenon, you want to go back and renew your vows? I but think this I might time do. have yeah. a huge, great, you know, do thriller. I will do Thriller. I have to do something else, won't we? What's, what else has got an amazing I'm, dance I'm sure there'll be, there'll be yeah. loads of suggestions out there. Yeah. So that, then the obvious, the obvious musical culmination of weddings generally tends to be your wedding disco. Now, oh, yeah. you've, you've done this. This is a tough gig. It is. It is. Why um, is it tough? Because I think a lot of people have ideas. Well, the bride and groom have an idea before the wedding of what they want, and they email you all their favourite songs, and you're like... It's not going to work. These are great songs, of course, but you can't answer. Them. So, what's the kind of thing that they? What's the kind of thing that they suggest that you look at and think it's not going to work? Well, I would actually say that I did a wedding last spring, and my friends Kate and Tom wanted us to play the Prodigy, and um, for all their old raver mates, and we were like, oh, I don't know if that's going to work. It went mental. I've never seen a wedding dance floor and they had glow people had brought glow sticks because they knew there was going to be <laughs> that uh, is brilliant it was brilliant but the prodigy i don't know if i, I see, the thing about the prodigy's records is that they're full of tremendous sort of detonations aren't they and your the, great aunt is your great aunt going to dance to the prodigy so. it sounds so exciting and it's, i think that's true because one of my favorite weddings it sounds an event doesn't yeah it? one of my favorite combinations is to do roll over bay at home followed by the arctic monkeys um, I bet you look good on the dance floor because whoever's dancing to roll over Beethoven will always stay on for Arctic Monkeys because it has a similar... So you've got to fish them in with the, uh, with the yeah. old favourite, have you? You've got to start with the women. You've got to get them on with a bit of Kylie. This has always been my favourite. Yeah. Get the brilliant. women on the dance floor, the men will be there eventually. This is brilliant. Yeah, it's true. But I once DJed a wedding where a very drunken table of... I think they were merchant bankers, actually, and they were so incensed that I didn't have Queen. And they were, like, wanting the DJ microphone thing which I obviously never use, but to sing Queen, to the, they were so drunk, that they were like, we'll, we'll just sing it, and I was like, I don't think people are going to dance to that. But, yeah. Which particular Queen tune were don't they planning to now. do a cappella? Don't, don't Stop Me Now. Don't, don't Stop mm. Me Now. They, they felt that the wedding wouldn't be complete without I Don't think, Stop I Me Now. I think so, yeah. It's not right, really, not is right. it? No, but people have a drink that think they're going to take over, and also they get yeah. obsessed with songs. I mean, they she's do. absolutely right. People go, so they just simply won't go home unless they've heard sort of status quo or something, yeah. you know. But there so must be t- five, about four or five records you're always, tracks you're always going to take because you're going to need them. What yeah. would they be? Probably some Chet Berry, Roll Over Bait, Roll Over Bait, can't go wrong. Um, I would probably take Lovers in the Air and Sign Sealed Delivered for a wedding. Good. Some Motown. Definitely some Motown. Motown, everyone loves. Pulp Babies people seem to like a lot, but for God. my generation. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, 
you need some. You need a bit of schmaltz of like chapel, chapel of love. Chapel of love is absolutely yeah. classic. Yeah. And what about because Abba? You see, I've never played that. There's thing with certain bands. Uh, Dave and I have had this conversation before, the Beatles, and actually I think the Beach Boys, people can't actually dance to, they're great, you can't dance to We Beatles. almost had Beach Boys for our first dance at my it wedding. Doesn't it doesn't work. It no. does not work. So what did you have? Signed, sealed, delivered. Uh, my right. husband and I have totally different musical tastes, so it had to be some kind of compromise. Yeah. Right. So, so did you actually, so it's fascinating, because this didn't happen in my day. No. You know, the well, idea we that me and my wife would have gone, and of course it would have been terrible, because she wanted would have wanted to dance to sort of... Um, uh, the Lonesome Death of Hattie Carroll yeah. by uh, Bob Dylan, or something that she just really likes, but clearly isn't a dance song. I wanted us to have um, Back in Black, but we were vetoed by our families. I thought a bit of ACDC is the first dance. Brilliant nice. idea, ACDC, yeah. brilliant idea. But, but this new convention, let me get mm. this right, is that you start off with a traditional kind of romantic slow dance... Yeah, when everyone goes, how lovely yeah. they got married. See, this is really, it fascinates me, because Mark and I are so ancient, you know, that, that when we got married... Marriage was apparently weddings were clinging on by their fingernails. Yeah, yeah. they were about to be consigned I was to the dustbin. Ridiculed by my pals. You know, there were loads of people who just did, didn't get married or went went and got married when they went and did the shopping. You know, they didn't yeah. tell anybody until afterwards. And I've now seen it come back far bigger than it ever was before, and with all kinds of interesting twists. You know, like. Well, you know, my parents, like your parents, probably got married during the war, you know, when nobody had big lavish weddings, you know, so nobody had slow dancers or all that kind of stuff. They had you sandwiches know. at reception, because well, yes. that was all that they were allowed in rationing. And, and I, 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 <laughs> it fascinates, fascinates me how much of the current vogue for quite spectacular weddings comes from Hollywood. Comes oh, from... Immensely, yeah. Do you think so? Yeah, I'm sure of it. Jennifer really Aniston magazine. movies yeah. and... Well, it's, 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 it's can we all have our mini version of Posh and Bex or, yeah. you know, whoever? But it's also Jennifer Aniston films and, you know, My Best Friend's Wedding and, you know, The Wedding Singer. and The, the wedding culture has been sold back to us, hasn't it? Entirely. And there's so many magazines about weddings. And they're all, I shouldn't say they're all completely inane, but they, they are largely just guff. You know? But you see, I, I feel really strongly about it, actually. I, I agree with you that they're guff, but I think it's worse than that. Actually, I, I've got a terrible... I mean, I, I, I told my, my terrible experience on the, going to the Maldives, didn't I? I wrote an article for oh, Mary, Claire, Mary Claire about this because it was just so extraordinary. I went, I'll make this really, really, really brief. I went to the Maldives. <laughs> oh, sent, I'm really a scuba diving correspondent. <laughs> and Diver magazine okay. sent me on an assignment to go and write about diving with a particular type of shark in the, in the Indonesian Ocean. And, uh, well, is it tough, <laughs> is this tough job? James, <laughs> someone's got to do I'm it. I'm laughing at most. Come oh, on, man. I'll be brief. So I'll be brief. Sorry, I'm, no, 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 speed this up. Let's speed this up. No, just what is it? So I go. I go to the Maldives, right, and I get to go, and I've just, basically, I've just, I'm in a rush, I've hardly packed, I've just, I've, I've got my snorkel, basically, and some headache pills, and that's about it. And I get there, and I queue up to go on the plane, and the girl says, so, um, Mr. Ellen, are you travelling alone, sir? And I can tell already, without even looking at this, she's got her head slightly on one side, you know. I said, uh, yes, I am. And she gives me a look, and I realise immediately that I am on a honeymoon special plane to the Maldives, right? Mm. And what she thinks is that I'm... Clearly, it takes one look at me. It's not my first or possibly even second wedding. It's probably my third wedding. But whoever it was I was hoping to marry hasn't turned up. <laughs> do you know what I've done? Bravely, I've bought my snorkel. I've got my headache. I'm going to I tell you. Double pack it. I've gone on my own. And she's then another part of her brain is thinking, he's not going to have much luck meeting a lucky, lucky lady on a honeymoon island. I can tell you that. But anyway, so I go to this thing. I am, apart from my pals on the dive trip, are the only people who haven't just got married. And what I felt about it was, sorry, let me just condense this, it was so competitive. Oh, God, yeah. I'm on the plane, I've got a honeymoon couple 
on the left of me, who don't appear to know each other very well, actually. I'm feeling sorry for them already. They don't really know what they sort of like to eat for lunch and things. I wonder if they've even... When do they do? <laughs> Tuesday? So they get married anyway. And then the, the intercom says, um, uh, well, it's a very, very special <clears throat> weekend for uh, just about everybody on the plane, apart from the sad guy from the <laughs> magazine. Apart from Thursday Zoom. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> she didn't turn up, but it happens to all of us. Anyway, moving on. If you'd like to get, he said, a bottle of champagne to celebrate your special flight, and then he changed his tone, so he said, or, or a half bottle, or indeed... We have, we have quarter bottles. <laughs> and his voice falls away at that point. You're thinking, how much pressure? Because then suddenly someone says, I'll have a bottle. I wonder if the person next to you is having a bottle of champagne. Do you know what I mean? And then how, That's what horrible. do I do? I mean, it's costing me a fortune anyway. And now I've got over, what does it mean? I don't love my new wife. I don't buy her. And when you get to the island, it's just so competitive. Who's having the most amazing honeymoon? And then I had this conversation with Kate Mossman, our reviews editor, so you know, when I got back, she said, well, you, you, then it's the, it's the week, of, you know, in Prague for the pre, the girls' stag party, whatever it's called, the hen party. Yeah, that's insane. And then it's flying to Bangkok and you've got to buy a hat and it's everything <laughs> so expensive. And the weddings themselves. Oh, you know, the, the stuff they're staging, the music, the the goodie bags, the, you know, it's, only, it's become kind of like a wag. And then you also... you. As a guest, you have an entire summer's where every weekend is a wedding, and yeah, that yeah, involves yeah. vast sums of money. Cut off your well. fortune. Absolute fortune. Cut off your friends is my advice. I when think they get so to about twenty-five. Just yeah. stop. You know, have an edit. If they look like they're going to get married. Just, just, just leave it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just don't return their calls. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, cut totally. them off. Well, so it's not just it's not just me that gets grumpy about it. No, I do. Now that I'm, <laughs> now that I've been go. married for a long time, I can, I can. <laughs> I can say everyone else. But it's, it, it fascinates me. We noticed, you and I went to Chloe Mason's wedding, and um, they did the slow dance business, and the um, interrupted by the extraordinary kind of thunder flashes and lightning effects, and then the kind of Jimi Hendrix track, wasn't it? That's right. And it was, I thought, where's this come from? Yeah. And, and, and it's now, you know, it just shows you, it's a fantastic example of how tradition invents itself. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah but the can't we place? get rid of all those things and replace them with some new things that are, you know, just as conventional? I was at a wedding in Los Angeles a few years ago where the bride and groom had a Native American Indian blessing. Wow. With no connection at all to anything Native American <laughs> Indian. But you founders. see, they probably thought it's not religious. Exactly. Or, or, <laughs> it's not no our religion. No one else has done this. We should be the first. <laughs> That's the way it is, you know. And, and, it, it's, and the naming of tables and things like that. You know how you can't just have you can't just have a table where you're sitting. It has to be named after. That's mentioned in your book, isn't it? Yes, yeah. It you're talking been... about you want to name everything after a car. Yeah, I, I went to a wedding. <laughs> I hope she's not going to listen to this, but um, a wedding where they named them after Grand Prix circuits or something, oh and you know that. Kind so you of were stuff. sitting on Monza or Silverstone or whatever. Yeah. You see, Mark, you know exactly. You, you haven't been to any of these. No. Really this is what, this is what Johnny you, wedding you, you is like. Was your in anything like that? You were sitting in kind of um, you know. It was actually a very strange wedding. It was in a, it was in a shopping <laughs> precinct. They, uh, they it was on Catalina Island, which is off the coast of LA, and it's owned by the Wrigley Spearman Gum family. There's no cars, so everyone drives around in golf carts. But because there's no church or registry office on the island, they'd hired an area of a shopping arcade. It doesn't a kind of a bowl area. American. I love with, the sound with, of this. tourists one. wandering around the edge of the ceremony as it went on. Did you all have Native American Indian names? I mean, was the bridegroom? No, called, there was no you know, connection to, to Native hair. American India apart from this blessing. Have you been to a tuxedo wedding, Mark? I just, you know, I really am totally. You see, been this, to this is another measure of how mm. influenced this a is by. Yeah, I've been to tuxedo wedding. I've got, I've got a tuxedo. Well, you've like a dinner jacket. Oh, Christ. No, but, you know, that, 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 is, that is 
totally American. That's the whole idea that you get married at the end of the family garden under a canopy. Well, no, it's pretending again that you're David Schwimmer and Jennifer Aniston or whoever. I blame Heat magazine for all of this. I don't think you blame the magazines. And in defence of wedding magazines, you know, because I have friends who work on wedding magazines, they only exist because people really want to read about that stuff. They want to think about getting married for a year before they get married. Or five years before they get married. And if it, you know, it provides a vehicle for them to do that. You Dave know. and I have got a pal who, uh, 15 years ago, got the job as being the editor of Wedding Day and First Home. That was the week she got divorced. She's done on the month she got divorced on the Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> I've known some fairly robust editors <laughs> of slimming magazines as well. <laughs> yes, it's true. It, yeah, it, yeah, it's, that's yeah. that's way it happens. But look, I want to know, there must be some traditions uh, that, that are, are immovable. Surely, come on, Eileen. I, oh, yeah. I believe is the greatest wedding. Uh, I'm maybe wrong, but that yeah. I think is the record, the possible exception of Dancing Queen by ABBA that unites a multi generational audience. Like Brown Eyed Girl as well. Brown Eyed Girl. Always at a wedding. That's fantastic. Dancing to Brown Eyed Girl. It's amazing. It's a great record. You know, have you ever danced to Brown Eyed Girl? No, no. <laughs> I realise you're on dangerous territory. <laughs> <laughs> Talk about Mark and dancing. But uh, well, how bad I am at dancing. Well, you, you tend to. You I'll take be in a the band that's played. You could dance to our own version of it. See, I've officially retired from dancing now. I've decided a few years ago. I've really? just, uh, yeah, knocked it on the head. I've just, just got the age where it looks stupid. You just don't drink enough. Can we must <laughs> ask Bartoni about her band, actually? I'm writing this down. Well, let's ask you now. I've never played for a wedding. Yeah, but we are available. Tell, 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 tell us about your band. Oh, right, yes, you've um, got a band. Uh, with John Moore and uh, Phil King and Lars Colbert from... Well, they were all in Jesus and Mary Chain at one time or another, and they are very good musicians. And um, and then there's my friend Cecilia, who sings with Pete Molinari, who sung for um, Jarvis Cocker, and me, who's not actually that good a singer, but I just uh, join in for the hell of it. That's impressive. And what are they called? This We're called the John Moore Rock and Roll Trio, featuring the Loose Morels, and we are the Loose Morels. You are the Loose Morels. And what, what circuit are you on? Are you on? We do. We just do. Um, we're a covers band, effectively. We do kind of Chuck Berry covers and and, and that kind of thing. Do you get well paid? Give us, paid give us your first covers. four songs of the set. We would do. Uh, well, we do take this hammer. Um, we're not Chuck Berry. Brilliant! So you're um, the backing vocal to take this hammer and take it to the captain and all that yeah. stuff. Tell him I'm gone. Tell him I'm Tell gone. Him I'm gone. <laughs> That's um, a great backing vocal. Because it's proper call and response, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, it's a lovely one to do. Um, Nadine. Did you eventually say, you know, we can't hear you, ladies and gentlemen, at the back? Do you do all that sort of stuff as well? No, bit louder. No, I, I will do for you next time. <laughs> uh, Nadine. Um, Nadine. Yeah, Nadine, I like doing. That's a great song. Brilliant record. Um, this is good. Stranded in the Jungle. That's a nice one for backing vocals. You have to do a lot of animal sounds. I don't know it. What is that? I should know, shouldn't I? Stranded in the Jungle. Um, it's not on our record, so... Is it the Jesus and Mary Chain? No. Original classic? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what no. I don't I can't remember who did the original. Um, look it up and you will love it. OK. It's an amazing song. Um, who Do You Love we do. Uh, we do record. some. Bo- we do, um, oh yeah, Bo Diddley. Um, Fantastic. Yeah. So where can we see you? We are playing, we're next playing at Port Elliot Festival, if you happen to be there. Port, where's Port Elliot? Cornwall. Oh, right. It's okay. like a literary... Well, if anybody's... Uh, OK. So anybody's, what's the encore? You know, I'm really fascinated. So when you say, oh, we'll leave you with this, uh, this song's always been very good to us. What's the, what's the last song you play? <laughs> Stranded in the Jungle, we nearly always do. Or, um... Uh, 20 Flight Rock, we sometimes Oh, that's that. a yeah. great record. Yeah. Yeah. Or Surfing Bird. 
That's the other one. I love 25. Well, I guess the 18th floor is just... He's too tired, isn't he? He is far too, too tired. Too, 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 indeed too tired to rock. <laughs> Whatever the hell that's meant to mean, David. <laughs> Take a lift back down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. We all, we all know the feeling. Mm. Well, um, best of luck with your book, because they sound proper you. radio programmes. So, you know, hard to recommend it based on having read half of it, which is all <laughs> I've had time to read. And, uh, you know, please buy it, but don't read it. That's yep. Laura's advice. 21, 21 locks. The Word. A magazine, a website, a podcast, a way of life. I sent out that... Uh, did, did you look at that uh, review of uh, Courtney Love that I sent out? The, this thing that appeared in the... Uh, where, did it, where did it go? In the Washington Post. Yeah. The other day, Courtney Love played a gig in Washington and uh, somebody sent it to me and said, is this the worst review you've ever read? And uh, did you get a chance to read it? I did. Oh, it was more us. like the review of the worst gig, wasn't it? Yes. Rather than the worst Oh, yeah, it's not a bad yet. written review. It's really well-written <laughs> review. You know, this was a slow-motion car crash. Courtney Love appeared on stage. Uh, just give you a few highlights. Standing next to her on stage throughout the gig was her assistant, Lisa, filming her on an iPhone. I mean, standing next to her, Mark. And sometimes in front of her. Sometimes in front of her, so the crowd was saying, can you get out of the way? Can't see who I've paid $40 well, to come and see. Plastic bottle bouncing off the back of this girl's head. And Courtney was giving very short shrift to anybody who wanted Lisa to move. You know, she was, she was determined to do it in her, in her way. Now, doesn't she at one stage, didn't she take a bra off? Yeah, for the encore. And then she has to borrow a bra from the audience. <laughs> so why what did she, she take done with it her off, then? What's, well, why? She why? She, she has to borrow one back. Why did she take it off? It's staggering, the whole thing. You went to see Courtney Love not long ago. I saw Courtney Love very recently, yeah. And Um, how was that? I I thought it was really, really fascinating, actually. My problem is I don't like her music at all. Um, But if people play in my local, I live near the Shepherd's Bush Empire in in, in Shepherd's Bush, in fact, W12. And therefore, I just pop round quite often and just go and see three or four songs of whatever's on, you know. And I I think she's kind of fascinating. And the thing that struck me was that... It's such an awfully cliche thing to say, to say, oh, no, her guitar wasn't... You know, people say, oh, her guitar wasn't plugged in, you know. Her guitar really wasn't plugged in. I mean, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm near enough to tell. She had She's flanked by two rhythm guitarists, and the third guitarist, I think, plays lead bus, so she's got two rhythm guitarists. So she just uses this thing as a kind of... Ornament. It's a prop. It's just a prop, you know. And, but she's fascinating to look at. Have you ever seen her? I've interviewed her, yeah. Oh, you've been, oh good Lord. Oh, Laura, you're so polite. You're sitting there going, this guy's got an absolute <laughs> non-story. I've never seen you her. You saw Courtney Love. She hadn't I'm... plugged her guitar in. She's looking at you because watching she's How much more? And she's <laughs> no, but I've not seen her play. I've never seen her play. Well, she's really got just... star quality. Though, yeah, she is really magnetic. magnetic yeah. yeah. And she's... She's really, despite all the work she's had done, and this was a few years ago, so she'd had less done, she was really beautiful in this really weird way, but so striking. And she's, she's mad as a box of frogs, but she's, she's kind of compelling, you know. Where did you interview her? At, uh, I think it was at the Dorchester. Oh, wonderful. So mm. she's, you know, thrashing around some sofa somewhere ordering She's sitting there champagne. in some skirt that she's hoiked up her thighs and sitting with her legs wide open, and you're like, yeah, just... Yes. Did, did you think it was going to be a male journalist? Maybe, maybe she thought I was. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just—it was sort of incongruous. And in the Dorchester, just that's not how you sit in Dorchester. No, I didn't no it's not really. No, it? no. But yeah, she was slightly, slightly odd. But I—I I kind of didn't dislike her. I was a bit scared of her. 
but she's but, still, I'm just trying to remember the Dorchester. I interviewed the two girls from Aberdeen, the Dorchester, and they didn't behave like that at all. Actually, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but it, this gig, <laughs> cucumber sandwiches this with gig a crust in Washington. Cut off. Now, yeah. Courtney Love has, you know, is pretty clearly advertised what she offers, isn't it? You know, she's man as a box of frogs, as mm. you say, and you know. Nobody could go along not knowing what they were going to get, could they? And yet, three quarters of the audience, three quarters of the audience left during the show. And that's a kind of performer's death wish, isn't it? If you alienate people to that degree, have was you there, seen was a, a lot of silence between the songs? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know because well, that would drive people away. It was really interesting, though. I published a link to this thing on the World website. Various people responding, saying, and what a few of them said was. I'd love to go and see that show. Yeah. And of course, if, if you knew gigs were going to be terrible, terrible, that's a whole new way you of marketing. Be there, you be, you be, sort of want to be guaranteed terrible. You'd want to go, wouldn't you? Well, a, a car crash is an interesting thing in that sense. <laughs> I think the worst gig I've ever been to was actually a Wu-Tang Clan show where they came on an hour and a half late and then played for 20 minutes. And the thing that I remember about it really clearly is that none of them had bothered to take their rucksacks off. They were wearing... <laughs> Jackets and rock sex on stage at the Astoria, and they played for 20 minutes and then wandered off. And it was like you kind of caught a tour group halfway through the trip <laughs> yeah. across London. They it's like I'm not stopping, they couldn't basically. be bothered. <laughs> and that's far less interesting than this Courtney Love show, which would be interesting to watch, I think. Yeah, although you see, I suppose the beauty of a bad review as opposed to the, the real experience is that is the bad review is hugely interesting to read and is short, yeah. whereas the, the real experience would be full of, you know, pauses and. Yeah. And, Boredom and you know all that, and discomfort and thinking where did I park the car and all that sort of stuff. An endless tuning of instruments. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, you know. So the, the the bad gig if you were there probably not isn't as I, isn't as good as you might have. Hoped. I did once travel to Hoboken. I'm going to pronounce this wrongly. Hoboken, Hoboken. New Jersey. Hoboken. Hoboken. Yeah. New Jersey during CMJ to see um, Brian Jonestown massacre, which obviously is a similar thing. You're asking for trouble. Um, but it was dreadful, and I did fall asleep during that gig. But it's you know falling asleep during a Brian Jonestown massacre show—they're quite noisy, aren't they? Yeah, but he spent most of the time just being rude to the audience and and starting a song and stopping it because he thought people were talking and that kind of thing. So that was before the movie Dig had come out. So you you weren't yeah. completely aware of the extent of I knew what kind of I knew catastrophe what catastrophe could be waiting. Maybe Dig had come out. I'm not sure. I don't even know why I went to be honest. With you. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think they they're legend. For, for terrible gigs was, was already set There's a great line in that film, which I think is one of the great lines of any rock and roll movie, isn't it? Where, where, what's his name, Anton? Anton mm. uh, it turns to the rest of the band and said, uh, you broke my sit-arm, motherfucker. That's <laughs> 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 just superb, isn't it? <laughs> oh, God. Well, was... Courtney Love, that's fascinating. How do you know she had that work done? She said so, has she? Because she's got a oh, face I... that appears to have been... It's kind of... I agree with you. She's terrifically pretty, actually. Mm. I've got a lot of fun just looking at her because she's just like a little doll, you know? Yeah. With this very artificial... Isn't she big? She's big, but she's, big, but she's kind of, she does look like a doll. She? Yeah. She's kind of manly in her build, yes, actually. Right. But her face is like, has those sort of real doll eyes, I suppose. Yeah, it? it's completely reconstructed. It's as if she's like a little... Literally, you feel you could buy her as a, as a doll that came with little accessories, you know, yeah. and you could swap her clothes around and... Don't and her think, hair is just—I mean, don't you think people like that when they have that amount of work done, they start to look like an illustration? Yes, they look as if they've been photoshopped. Yeah, yes, they you do. Know, it's a kind of slightly perfected version of, of, of whatever look they're trying to achieve. Yeah. It's a look that nobody ever looked like. Photoshop is very true because, it, in fact, plastic surgery, one of the, one of the hallmarks is, is, is I, I suppose you describe it as the shiny-faced look, which means a slight stretch. 
which reduces the uh, wrinkles. It's meant to be pillow face now, isn't it? Pillow, pillow face, good. Yes. That's good. my red ingratia. Um, <laughs> pillow face. I yeah. think Madonna's had that done, so it looks sort of plumper. Oh right, that's rather than that that stretch sort of Joan that... Rivers look that over. <laughs> I'm doing this Laura, Laura's is stretching her head back. This is, it looks like she's swinging the G force, like a <laughs> rocket thrust launch. That's my Joan Rivers look, and then that's, that's Madonna. Fantastic. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, you look like on a ride at Alton Towers. You know those pictures <laughs> you get when there's a, a camera you didn't realise was there and then you're just leaving with a load of kids, you know, and they say, for, for $9 or whatever it is, you can buy this a picture of you. It's absolutely frightful. The World Cup gave us an opportunity recently to, to re-examine at close quarters one of the most remarkable faces, which was Mick Jagger turning up to... Yes! <laughs> as he does every four years. Yes! He turns up to support England in, in some of you know, like a fatal... <laughs> and which really, thanks to Twitter, leads to all kinds of interesting speculation. And I think one I read the other day was, if his face looks like like, like that, what does his scrotum look like? <laughs> That's a very yes. good point. Yeah. Oh, He's beginning to look like a sharpie, isn't he? Sorry? He's beginning to look like a sharpie. He is, yeah. Laura, I want to ask you, actually, because you'd have something more original to say about this than, than any of us. Who is the... It's, my theory is Charlie Watts is the best-looking... Rock star who just looks his age, he looks fabulous. I'm talking about, yeah, oh, I'm about old people, right? I'm over 60, right? Because if you've ever oh, that's seen, a good one. if you've ever seen, oh lord, if you've ever seen Keith Emerson, if you've ever seen Donovan, please never see these people. No. Please, promise me, you just make Do you know who do, I think looks okay is um, Patty Smith because she's never she been. Yeah. She did, she's never gone for that. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah. She, she doesn't dye her hair, and you know, it just oh, there are certain people on there. Yeah. Bruce, obviously. How old's Bruce now? He's not. Bruce looks good. Yeah. Bruce is yeah. young. Right, he's he's 60 or 69. Yeah. He's 60. Is he? He's, yeah, really he's 60. Young. Yeah, yeah. There is, but there's been work done there. Yeah. Oh, there's so. work done. What? You're talking about the very ambassador of integrity. <laughs> there, there's got to be blue collar. There's work done. Connect- Definitely. Work? There's work done. There's hair color. Oh yeah. There's there's. Uh, I think there, possibly even hair transplant. Combage yeah. going on there. He's kind of too busy growing vegetables, giving money to the poor. He can't go off and have his get a pillow face done. I love him dearly. I love him dearly. But if you go, if you want to know about Bruce Springsteen, go back and look at the cover of Tunnel of Love, which is whenever nineteen. 88 or something like that. And I'm loving this. Dave's slightly waspy, slightly bitchy. Got Bartoni here, we're having a bit of a gossip. Photographed on those records, but his hair really swept back. And so, you know, his hairline was what it would be for a bloke that age. It's weird, Not anymore, it isn't. He's no, got a it's advanced. Yes. It's returned. He's got a proceeding hairline. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to invent his throat. Yeah, there's got to be work done there. Jesus Christ. I think Brian Ferry still looks all right. Oh, yeah, yeah. And and also, Leonard Cohen. Yeah, I know he looks like a turtle. Yeah. But I would still go there. Like I think he's. I think he's still. Better. Really I would. Still Leonard Cohen. And, and unfortunately, there's quite a lot of competition. For yeah. One, yeah. One of the reasons that Brian Ferry still looks really good, I've, I've come to the conclusion, is that is about 30 years ago he decided that I will only wear certain clothes. Yeah. So he always wears blue shirts, jeans, blazers, and cravat. very good shoes. Sometimes cravat or whatever. Mm. But he'll never suddenly appear 
out of his comfort zone in fashion or anything like that. In a pair of trainers. So, no. <laughs> <laughs> pair of, for, for all the fatigue tra- shorts with pockets yeah, all the way down well, the knees. He won't appear, like, he won't, right. he won't appear with his latest girlfriend <laughs> staggering out of a supermarket in, in Ugg boots like Ugg Ron boots. Wood will. Oh, right. Ron right. Wood in Ugg boots. Really for crying really. out loud. Silver Ugg boots. Been... Silver Ugg yes. boots. Yes. You know, he's going to be about 63, That's isn't he? wrong. That's wrong. Anyway. And his hair looks like he's just been coming to contact with some faulty wiring, doesn't he? He's been sort of trying to mend a plug and just stuck his finger in a socket. I've got to ask you, we, we've been uh, soliciting uh, questions from the word massive uh, via Twitter and a little bit of um, tourist information we can provide here for Luke Tucker, who's coming to the UK for two weeks from Australia and he wants to know one place in London from each of us that he must visit. He should go on the London Eye. He should go on the London Eye. OK, fair enough. Simple as that. All right, yeah. He'll probably work that out himself, won't he? Maybe. Okay. Maybe that's the one really, thing. That's it's a really good thing. He should do it. He yeah. should do it. If the weather's clear, he should do it. I've never been on the London Eye. Okay, go on the London Eye. <laughs> well, if you live here, you don't. Out, no. Do you? No. No, but that's quite a cool thing to say. I've never been on the London It's like saying, you know, I've never heard of Madonna record or something. It's original, <laughs> isn't it? You know, you've really made an effort. What have you avoided that? Yeah. What advice would you give him, Laura? I, do you know what? I would go to the city, the square mile. And just wander around. Wander around. I think they've got some of the most amazing buildings in London there. Tourists don't really go there, and there's all the people in suits hopping in and out of cabs and things. And, and start there and head east and go down to like Brick Lane and see all the huge yeah, yeah, places yeah, and, yeah, and yeah. the hipsters. Yeah. That's a really, that's a really good. We'll, bit go, of we'll go to the city at the weekend. We did that on uh, yeah. Boxing Day about, about a couple of years ago. My, my sons and my wife and we found a little one of those little walks in the old oh, city yeah. on the on the internet, and we went off and did it because there's nobody there on Boxing Day, and it was absolutely brilliant. It takes out little alleyways, and he visited old churches mentioned in Dickens novels and stuff like that. Going, Would you like this kind of thing? I don't know. John no, Soames, I'd go to John Soames and see John how it's progress by Hogarth, which is the which we the went only the other week, and go in one of the evening candles lit um, viewings if you can yeah. which they have on, I think on a Monday evening once a month or something and I think just wandering around is the thing that I think mm. people should do more of in London I see tourists in London they always look panicked they're they always trying to find weevil rock you don't just... do that it's the stuff in between yeah. go and sit in a pub that's so true. You walk out the Charing Cross Road, and there's a load of panicky people with cameras around their necks, yeah. sort of you know trying to get to see. The they don't look as if they're enjoying it. Ben Elton, you yeah. think? You feel like saying, "Sweetheart, don't please, yeah. don't waste your time." The one I would fling in is Kensal Green Cemetery. Oh, right, I don't know that. Because I love cemeteries. Who's, who's, uh, who's uh, well, the there? Well, there's there and trollops there, but it's the great Victorian cemetery built in the middle of the 19th century. An extraordinary... You know, stone major celebs. Tipping down, mm. you know. It's an amazing thing to see. Have Wander you out there on your own. ever been to London's only lighthouse, which is, like, way out Limehouse Way? No. That's quite a nice place to London's go. London's only lighthouse. So where is lighthouse. it? In Canary Wharf, presumably it must be? No, beyond, beyond there, I think. I think Shatno. Is it, still, is it still operational? Yeah, there's an Art Angel installation inside it, so it's got some kind of weird musicy thing. Go kind of like in the in February when it's all weird. Can right? you rent it for weddings and stuff? Probably <laughs> you can, and I'm also available with my band. I was going to say, of course. And finally, for one final word from the massive, uh, Lucas Hare wants to know: Should all England flags now be removed? Following the <laughs> events this weekend, because this morning he saw one on a car at half mast. Well, that's, oh, that's funny. That's nice. Which is quite cool. I it? had a weird look his hair, say hello to him tomorrow. Hello, hello to myself. Well, I could say hello to myself. I met him at yeah. Gatwick Airport once, I think. Very nice chap. <laughs> I had a very weird experience. I don't know if we've got time to talk about the football, but I had a very weird experience. Yeah, go on. 
but which is that I watched the first match against the USA in a pub in Covent Garden, which is entirely full of Americans. But it was even more peculiar watching England Germany because I was in France and I was in a bar entirely full of Germans. <laughs> Can you imagine that? What, oh, right, German? I was seeing Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought you missed one out. No, 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 I've missed several yeah, out, but yeah. no, that's the last one, you know. And that was very weird, and I get it. There's a very, very funny young German couple sitting next to us. My wife is resolutely against football. She's reading a, she's reading a book about Coleridge mm. and having a cup of tea. I want my second pint of Guinness. And, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to stop the guy next to me singing Two World Wars and One World yeah. Cup. Do, dark. That's not going to help at all, <laughs> no, is it? Really and so, good. yeah, and I get upstairs, and this German girl comes up to me, and she's so sweet. She must be in her mid 30s, she's there with her boyfriend. She comes up and says, I can't do this without a kind of awful kind of cliche German. She said, They are hating me. Upstairs, they are hating me. I said, Well, then, would you? I'm German, all the English people are hating me. They're looking at me disapprovingly. You know? So I thought there was going to be real tension. And she had this wonderful little device, which is like little, like a castanet made up of hands. And you flapped it from side to side, the hands clapped. It was a little clapping machine. If we'd only had that, I know. we could have won. Yes, exactly. I had, a, and I, I borrowed this at Bond to celebrate <laughs> our, our thing. and eventually I asked all, and we all did. We all trooped up and shook her hand. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, which I thought was only fair because we were absolutely stomped. But I, I had something worse than being in a pub with Germans, which is the England Algeria. Worse than being. I don't mean. No, to watch England Algeria, I went to my usual pub in Winchmore Hill. And I found myself squeezed into a corner amongst four Scotsmen. And I thought, this is the worst company <laughs> in the world to be in when England... Did they have ceremonial this swords? So I, I'm, no, they, but they had a shit-eating grin spreading right I'm across sure their face. They, they were All the way it. through, you know. And I thought, I'm going to leave this pub at half-time. I'm going to another pub, you yeah. know, where, where people Scott share Green. my anguish. Yeah, you know. I don't terrible. wish to be, be here with gloating Scotsmen. So, Lucas, uh, should all England flags be removed? Possibly. I noticed in Marks and Spencer in Chapel Market this morning they were selling their England merchandise... 70% off. Oh. Which I, I don't think they've got any takers even at 70%. <laughs> Buy it now, use it in four years' time. Oh. Assuming we qualify. for What? Foresight. Biggest assume. <laughs> no. Yeah. Good luck. This podcast was brought to you by The Word. Details at wordmagazine.co.uk. This podcast is brought to you by The Word magazine, media partner of Latitude Festival 2010. For more details, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. The secret to summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil, clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Its signature scent of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at OseaMalibu.com.